Well, happy Mother's Day. Yeah, that's a great response. Happy. <laughs> it's a great day. This is probably one of my favorite Sundays out of the year um, to honor moms. And we have a gift bag for all moms in the foyer. This, I, I felt it. I felt what was going on over there that uh, we needed to announce that, that uh, all moms, there's a gift bag out there. Please take that before uh, you head home. It's, a, it's just a way of us saying we really appreciate you. Thank you, men, for all the cooking that you did. And we just want the ladies to chill out today and just have a good day. You ladies are all right with that? Not having to do anything, just kind of like we just go all out to try to do everything we can for you. Um, we want to celebrate, um, I've got a message this morning from First um, Samuel chapter 1, and this kid was preaching out here in the Sunday school class some of my stuff. I was like, oh man, I can't even preach it as good as he's preaching it. Uh, I'm not even going to try to do that. But um, welcome to all the moms that are in the house. It's a, it's a treasure for those in our lives that we can call mom, and someone at our table was asked around who mentored you after you came to the Lord. And uh, it, it was an easy answer. My parents were the mentors in our family. And it's, you know, we didn't think there was anything different to seeing prayer and worship. And um, they were at home just like they were at church. That, that's awesome. <laughs> And again, I didn't know there was any difference with that, uh, but th it was the same. They, they loved God. We prayed over everything. We, my mother was constantly worshiping and, and praying. And she, you know, by the way, if, there's, if you don't know the words and without the screen, you know, if you're charismatic enough during worship, you can just worship in the spirit, right? It's okay to do that. And so we won't be losing out in any way. Um, I read this little book again that I'd read years ago, Tilly. Anybody read Tilly? I know a couple people here. Brenda actually read it. I, I, I gave it to her, and it's, she reads much faster than I do. She probably read it in about 30 minutes. It took me maybe three hours. But uh, it really is about motherhood. It's, if you have never read Frank Peretti's little novel on Tilly, you need to read that. Um, we're going to go to... First uh, Samuel chapter 1, um, and we're going back in time about 3,000 years ago. A little baby was born to a woman that was having trouble um, conceiving, and you know who I'm talking about, right? Her name was Grace. He says, no, her name was Hannah. Well, Hannah in Hebrew means grace. So, she was, she's kind of like the model that we're going to have this morning as we look at uh, how she coped. You know, I'm going to try to summarize the background before I read here in chapter 1. Elkanah is a husband to two women. How many of you know that it's already going to be trouble? Why would any, I, know, I won't say any more about that. Uh, Penina was one wife, and she had sons and daughters. She was very fertile, but Hannah was not able to conceive. And the Bible says that God had shut her womb up. Now, now it's, that's an interesting thing that 
Was God keeping her from conceiving because of something else? We don't know that, but that's what the scripture says. But it plagued her because her rival was constantly rubbing it in her face that she had children, Hannah couldn't have children, and it, and it was, and it was uh, Elkanah's pride that he loved Hannah more than the other wife so that it was just not a very pleasant home to say the least. But Hannah could not have children and Elkanah, her husband, was trying to encourage her. And you know, he said something that really, really didn't go over very well. He says, you mean more to me than all these sons that I can have. And she probably was not impressed with that, right? And they made this annual trip to Shiloh where the tabernacle was. And Eli was the high priest. Again, this little kid preaching in the class just laid it out so good. On one of these visits, though, we're going to read in chapter 1, Hannah arrived on that annual visit to bring sacrifices to God, and she was truly, really beside herself in grief. And I'm going to share some four things of a mother's influence. And the first influence you see from Hannah was the influence of prayer. She was broken. She was weeping. The infertility was one of the most bitter things that she was dealing with in her life. And she was at the breaking point when she arrived at the tabernacle. This is the same tabernacle that Moses had built. And it moved around, and now they're in Israel, and it settled in at Shiloh, and they would come there to worship the Lord. And Eli, the high priest, was sitting at the entrance of the tabernacle, and he noticed Hannah. Hannah could not go into the tabernacle. It was not allowed for women to go in. But she stood on the outside of the tabernacle, and she was praying, and he was looking at her, and he had other thoughts about what was wrong with her. We're going to pick this up in verse 9, if you're there in 1 Samuel Chapter 1, verse 9, he says, Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting at his, on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. And in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, this is Yahweh El Shaddai. Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery... And remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son. Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. This is kind of like a commitment to a Nazarite vow, completely set apart unto the Lord. Verse 12, and she kept on praying to the Lord. Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Didn't mean that she wasn't making sound. He couldn't hear it. And Eli thought she was drunk. And he said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. And she did a 180 degree turn from anguish and grief. Listen to verse 18. 
She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way, ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. What a dramatic change. But what a vow she made to the Lord. Here she is wanting a child so desperate, she actually vows to the Lord, if you would give me a son, I'm going to give him back to you. And call that desperation, but she meant this. She meant if she only had one son, she would be willing to get. I don't know how many women would be willing to do that. But she, when she heard that confirmation from Eli, she just turned around and like resolutely, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. It's going to take place. And her influence, when Samuel arrived, her influence had to be part of her influence was the way she prayed and the way she cried out to God. It's intercession. It's not manipulation. She wasn't trying to manipulate God. This was truly how her heart felt. She was telling God, you give me a son, I'm giving him right back. And so serious that Eli was not one to discern things very clearly. He thought that she was under the influence of alcohol. And she <laughs> reminded him that it was nothing to do with alcohol. She was in this pursuit of God opening her womb and giving her a child. God was attending her prayer. Um, yesterday, I, I was pondering this during the week, and I said, you know what, I need to go visit Nelson and Billy White, brother and sister White, because they battled infertility for a number of years. And then, lo and behold, brother White shows up this morning. We're going to... We're going to change sermon style just a little bit here. Is that all right? He was telling me, and well, I had, had to be careful getting in front of these speakers. Brother White, you was telling me about the scripture, and, and, and I think I've got this right. They had been married 12 years, maybe going on 13, and her doctor said that she was not going to be able to have children. My mother was the close, one of the closest friends she has, Billy. She was praying. We remember in her house, we got to pray for the whites to have a child. We got to pray for the whites to have a child. And in a leadership meeting over at Oak Mountain, just a leadership meeting, can you fill in the rest when the speaker gave an altar call for those to stand up that needed a particular breakthrough? That was a special night. When the minister who had finished his sermon said, let's pray, find someone near you to pray with and ask God for the impossible. And any of you that have a special problem or need, let's ask God to do the impossible tonight. Well, there were a lot of people standing around my wife and several of them laid hands on her including uh, a Sunday school teacher from her childhood who was in that same meeting. And she came across the building and laid hands on Billy and prayed for the child. And we soon learned the, the blessed fact that, G, that the Lord answers prayer. Let me encourage you, if there should be a lady here tonight or this morning who's praying for a child, 
don't stop praying. Sometimes it takes more faith to pray and pray and pray and pray than it is to get your answer on the first time. So 13 years we prayed. Keep on praying. If you don't get the answer, keep on praying some more. Another lesson I learned from this, if you can't get the answer yourself, get people to pray with you. We were, we were the youth directors for the state of Alabama at that time. And as we traveled the state of Alabama, many of our friends all over the state, including Pastor Lynn's mother, they said, we're praying that Sister White will have a baby. So we had a lot of folks praying for us. Our former church that we had pastored before we went into district work, they prayed for us. And one of the ladies who was our women's mission, uh, director of the, of the women's ministry in the, in the church found a verse of scripture and she called my wife and said, I have a promise from God for you. And she read Psalms 113, verse 9. And my wife said, well, that's amazing. I just read that this morning. I wish I could quote it for you, but I can't. Psalms 113, verse 9. Ladies, take that for your promise. If you need a promise, it works. And God gave us a child. And when we looked at the verse again, it said, she shall be the, a, a joyful mother of children. Well, that's not one child. That's more than one. So uh, little Ruth was about three years old and she said, Mama, when are we going to have a baby? I wish we had a baby. And Ruth said, and Mama said, well, little Ruth, we prayed for you a long time. You're going to have to pray if you want a baby in this house. She swung around and knelt there in, the, in our living room, and she began to pray, Jesus, Jesus, send us a, a baby. And about nine months later, our little boy, Clark, arrived. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Lord is good. Amen. Amen. Praise God. One of the ladies that called and said, you're going to have not a child, children. This was before Ruth arrived. And when she heard that Ruth had been born, she called back and says, you're going to have another child. And it's all because of the praying. Praying is one of the greatest influences a mother has. And Hannah was that way. She was believing God to break through. And Brother Sister White, those two children have raised their families and one of their grandchildren that's at Southwest will be heading to Vietnam for missions work this summer. And both of those, both of those children, Ruth and Clark, have godly families and God answered prayer. Hannah knew how to pray. She was praying, but that particular day, 
She was agonizing before God and all she needed was someone to come into agreement. I want to encourage you is what Brother White said. Don't give up on things that you're praying for. That is one of the great influences. Here's the second influence. Hannah's influence was giving. And look again in verse 11. She says, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. No razor shall be used upon his head. And she was, she was this prayer warrior. She was seeking God. The influence of giving is better to give than to receive, right? Mothers are, giver, mothers are givers by nature. Just ask them. <laughs> they really have to intentionally overpower their willing to give in order to receive. I think that's how it seems to me that women are the givers in the family. They're constantly giving. They're constantly attending to children. You know, us husbands, we, we kind of help, but we're just extra. They are the ones that carry the load. Amen? And as a husband and father, I've seen this up close and personal. And this is why when children are not feeling good, they don't say daddy. They want mommy. They want her. And they can cry, you know, and, and then the mothers embrace them. Maybe this is, there's something within that dynamic that when we look at giving, we understand this, that there's no level of giving for men that even comes close to what women give. This is, this is not always the case, though. Don't you wish that all moms were givers? I listened to a podcast recently, um, Becky Schaefer's story. It is one of the most dramatic turnarounds for a child. She was in a family of severe abuse. And I think I posted that maybe uh, on Facebook. She came through some of the most horrendous. Her mother could not stand her. Went against everything maternal. And here's this little girl that goes and she ends up into a girl's home and in the 11th grade, she thinks she can come back. One of five children come back, and maybe her mother would still embrace her. And she just looked at her and said, what are you doing back? You're not welcome here. And so it doesn't mean that every mother has this giving. But this woman was so radically changed by the power of God that she founded a home for girls in Arkansas and has a thriving place. You see, it doesn't make... You're not condemned by the people that's above you. You're not resigned to repeat their, their sins. When God steps in, he totally changes everything. The influence of giving. And then there's the influence of worship. I don't know um, how anyone can improve, can improve upon Hannah's worship. We're going to take chapter 2. There's about nine verses in chapter 2 about her worship. Now, it says that she prayed, but this is all about worship. And, and before I get there, let me read the last two verses of chapter one. She said, I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I ask of him. So now I give him to the Lord. She had already left him with Eli. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. What did you notice about that last sentence? 
Is there anything that jumps out to you in that last sentence? He worshiped. He worshiped the Lord. This was his child, and she was a worshiper, and already, now, it said that she kept him until she weaned him, and for us, that, that we think, that, well, that's when he stopped nursing, not in their day and time. It was anywhere between two and five years of where he could be on his own. She didn't drop off a one-year-old to Eli. That would have been disastrous. So he was old enough to kind of know how to handle things. And when he heard her say what she said, he worshiped the Lord. This is her influence on her child that she's leaving at the tabernacle with Eli, which is not the best example to leave somebody with. But listen to verse one. This is, this is a woman who's just left her son in the care of this questionable character. Then Hannah prayed and said, remember, she just is leaving her son. My heart rejoices in the Lord. And the Lord, my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumble are armed with strength. Those who are full hire themselves out for food, but those who are hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. She still only is the mother of one child when she's saying this. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of the faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in their place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king. Exalt the horn of the anointed. God is speaking through little Samuel what she is speaking over him. It is Samuel that is being raised by a true worshiper, her influence on him. And you know, she, got, she came back every year annually to visit him. If you look in verse 18, she does something that is kind of like, okay, but it wasn't just okay. It was her way of blessing this child. Listen to verse 18. But Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen. He was already kind of like a preacher child. He was already, already as a priest. Now, we know he became a prophet, but he's before God, dressed like a little priest here. Each year, his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you children. Watch out when somebody says this over you. May the Lord give you children by this woman to take the place of the one she prayed for and gave to the Lord. Then they would go home. And the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. 
every year she would sew a new robe for her son. Every year she would arrive to worship and she would give this gift to her little boy that was still her little boy, but she had loaned him out to the Lord. And it doesn't say this. In fact, it doesn't say a lot of things here. But I think probably she did not walk up to him. Well, here's your new robe. Hope you enjoy it. See you next year. I think probably she spent a little time with that child, don't you? Every year she did this. Whether he was there at five or six or seven, but every year it was like this one visit that she would have and she'd give him this and I believe she would bless him. Samuel became one of the most anointed men in the Old Testament. He was the one who anointed the first two kings of Israel. He was a prophet of God. He had a heart for God. And I think, I think when she so, shows up every year, guess who she has with her? Children. And I, in my mind, I can see Samuel looking on his siblings and interacting with them on that annual visit. And every year that would happen, he was still being influenced by his mother. We don't know how the lives of three boys, those three boys and those two little girls added to her. We don't know anything about them. But we do know this. They were being raised by a godly woman who loved God enough to say, if you bless me with a son, I'll give him back to you. Not many people could do that. Not many moms, especially your first one. You might say, Lord, give me a son, and then the next one, I'll give him to you. No, the first son is going to be yours, Lord. I'll raise him. I'll get him ready. I'll give him to your service, but he's going to be yours. I want a praise team to come back up. And, you know, we sang a song that had Jireh. You know what Jehovah Jireh means? How I many believes the Lord will provide? That's not what it means. Jehovah Yireh actually means the Lord sees. And because he sees, he provides. He saw Abraham pull the knife above Isaac. And that was satisfactory to him because he knew that Abraham was willing to give up his son in obedience to the father. And the Lord stopped him. I see your willingness to give up what's precious to you. And he provided a substitute of a ram caught in the thicket. This is why we kind of tend to say that word means provided. It's the Lord sees. I want to tell you something. The Lord sees your influence, mom. He sees your influence. He sees your desire for your children. And you can influence them by your praying, by your worship, by your serving, by your giving. These were the areas that she was strong in. And she influenced not only Samuel's life, but her other five children. And kind of like what brother why it was talking about would you stand with me as we prepare to pray 
turn to the Lord and ask him to minister. Maybe you're facing something that seems impossible. Maybe you're praying for someone in your family that just um, your heart aches for where they're at. And you, you need a breakthrough. They need a breakthrough. If that is you, could you raise your hand somewhere up here? Keep your hand up. And I want to, just like the people that gathered around Sister White and prayed for her and there was a breakthrough. Keep your hand up. If you look around, you see someone close to you with their hand up. I want you to go and just stand with them because we believe God doesn't change. Turn around and see those that are around you that's got their hand up. Lay your hand on them. And let's believe God. Let's believe God for a breakthrough. Lord, right now we ask that the matter at hand that seems so impossible that you would break through for these families and break through in these situations, that the miraculous power of heaven will invade this setting, that there would be a major breakthrough, Lord, in that home, in that life, in that son, in that daughter, in that sickness, in that malady, Lord, somewhere, there needs to be a breakthrough by your mighty power. And we are believing today for our breakthrough on this Mother's Day. That you, Jehovah Jireh, will provide what is lacking in our lives and lacking in our family. Lord, we cry out to you to help us.